Welcome to another episode of the podcast. We are going to talk about broke, desperate, and stupid, uh, all of which I have been at some point <laughs> in my life. That's how I got here. Um, <clears throat> we've seen some things in some you know social media groups this week, and um, you know predicaments that people have gotten themselves in, and um, figured it was time to to talk about how in the first two years, nine and a half out of ten owner operators will fail. Um, you know, I, I I put these uh, I put this post together uh, for this broadcast and put it in a YouTube group and, or Facebook group. And Larry's breaking the laws of broadcasting right now by having stuff. Sure. There you go. You're fine. Uh, but uh, you know, we had some trolls. Uh, one one specifically. Um, I guess he thinks that because I have experienced failure in my life, I should just sit down and shut up and not talk about it. Um, but I just want to be real clear. I'm not doing this podcast for the money because there is no money. <laughs> uh, we wish know, there were. Yeah. I mean, nice it's, a helpful, it's a helpful recruitment tool. It, it's yeah. been incredibly valuable um, to help us find you know, good people that, that want an opportunity, but there is no money here yet. I'll cash the checks if it'll make money, but um, <clears throat> we do this because we want to help people. I do it because I don't want anybody to ever live the nightmare, the hell on earth that I lived that was of my own making. It wasn't Landstar's fault. It wasn't the agent's fault. It wasn't the customer's fault. It wasn't the president's fault. It was my fault. I I did this stupid stuff, and I look around and see stupid people doing the same stupid stuff that i did um well and that's why and that, we're going to do this and you're right and and this one is this one is what it's all about you know because you know sometimes we look around and try to figure out what would be a nice thing to to have a comment i mean to to make a podcast on but you know we see this one every day you know and uh and this is exactly why i uh, started blue ribbon logistical solutions in 2013 i had just come to landstar and i thought that i was in a land of milk and honey and i thought that um the four or five hundred bcos that i had contact with at um the cmc over the years was was what landstar was all about and i can't tell you how disappointed i was when i got here and saw that there were people that were just struggling and you know now let me preface what we're going to talk about tonight you know this this is this is my opinion um this is research that I've done. This is information that I believe. Uh, and again, understand, this is mainly directed at new owner-operators. If you've been at Landstar for 20 years and you're hauling, you know, oversized or whatever, and you're, you know, I'm not trying to tell you how to do business. What we're trying to do here is prevent people who come to Landstar with no previous experience uh, that end up struggling and failing. So our formula here, we know, works because we've done it. I've done it since 2013 at Landstar and since 2009 in the industry. And um, we had a proof of concept this year with the pandemic. And um, so it's, you know, if 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 you're going to sit there and throw darts and, you know, because this doesn't apply to you, that's fine. Just, you know, you don't have to watch, move on. But we're looking to help people that, nor, that otherwise would struggle and very likely fail because they don't understand uh, some of the things that we're going to talk about tonight. 
And um, yep. So uh, <clears throat> with that and, being, and let's face it here. Let, let's face the reality here. Yep, the American education system is not going to give you tools to go out and be successful in business. The, the the American education system is meant to turn you into a robot that can go into the factory and pull the lever and pull the lever and pull the lever. They're not talking to you about economics. They're not talking about business principles. They're not teaching you about taxes. So so it's it's totally natural for someone to come into this with a little bit of an entrepreneurial bug and be like, well, you know, well, maybe I can do that. You can. In most cases, you can. But there's some basic fundamental things that you're just not anywhere else um you know maybe if you have a family member or a parent or somebody that that's good in business that can pass it on to you but most of us aren't getting it i sure as hell didn't well and also you know in this industry because there's lots of opportunity to do this uh with what i would call um, insincere or fake encouragement. Um, you know, we're led to believe that as long as you can fog a mirror, you can buy a truck. I mean, you can, you, you know, you yeah. can, you can, you can get in this business so easy that it's very tempting for people because a lot of guys, you know, they come in the industry and they're company drivers. That's pretty much how we all started. And they immediately start, you know, seeing all the things that they don't like and that, you know, if I, if I had my own truck, I would be able to do this and this and I could make up, I could, you know, I, and all these things that you, that you dream you would like to do and owning your own truck is the path to that dream, we're told. And what we're going to talk about tonight is that that decision is a whole lot more complex and complicated than just getting a truck. That's the easy part. The hard part is what you do after you get it. And the other part of this is, are you really ready to get that truck? And that's kind of the things we want to talk about here. Unfortunately, most people come to Landstar they were a company driver last week. They decided to come to Landstar. They met qualifications, and they have to have a truck to come here. And so they go get a truck, and that's usually mistake number one. Um, and then they come here, and now there's no safety net here. Uh, there's no dispatcher. There's no load planner. There's no mother. There's no den mother. There's no homeroom mother. There's none of that here. And all the things that they didn't like about the company they worked at before, all of a sudden there's a different appreciation for that now because now you're driving down the road trying to deliver your first load while trying to find your next load. And, oh, by the way, your truck's making a weird noise. And all these things that now are your problem, you didn't experience that before. Just saw a guy today on Facebook. Well, it was yesterday. Bought a truck. Truck, bro truck broke down. He can't afford to fix it. So he's on Facebook trying to find somebody to tell him where he can take $5,000 and go buy another truck. Like, that one's not going to break down. So he didn't have the money to fix the first one, so he's going to go $5,000 more in the hole and buy another truck that he thinks is not going to break down. So these are the kind of things we're going to talk about. We need to think through this process a little bit. And you need to kind of get out of the tr What we're going to talk about doesn't matter if it's trucking or McDonald's franchise. It doesn't really matter. 
Um, but you, you need to, you, the truck driving part of this is not what we're talking about. You probably can do that if you've been in this business long enough to qualify for Landstar. That's probably not an issue for you, is how to back up and how to, you know, how to drive a truck and that sort of thing. But what we're going to yeah. talk about are all these decisions that now fall on you because guess what? When you bought that truck, you became a business owner, and that's where the problems start. So, well, let me um, let me add something to it because sure. you're talking about this guy that you saw, and I don't. I I smiled when you said that. I don't want somebody to think that I'm I'm, uh, you know, amused by this guy's misery because that was me. But when my truck broke the last time and it was and it was really over, um, I thought, well, I I'll, I just need another truck, you know, and um, and, and I was doing the exact same thing. Well, I mean, I've just got to get another truck. I can't fix this one. I don't have the money to fix it, so I just need to get another one. That's obviously the problem, you know. So, you know, not making fun of the guy, I feel for him because, man, I've been there. It was it was miserable, you know. And, and I'm, I'm on the phone with a Swift recruiter crying, you know, about how my truck broke down. She didn't give a damn, you know. Fill out this paperwork, slave, <laughs> you know. It, it, but – Broke, desperate, and stupid. That's why I put that in the thumbnail. Because um, when you're broke, you end up desperate. And when you're desperate, you're stupid. You know, you make really, really, really stupid decisions when you're scared. Yeah, it, 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 it's a vicious cycle, you know. And, um, and it can be. Here's the thing. The, all of this can be predicted and prevented. You know, I, you, I see it every day. You know, you, you, you see the handwriting on the wall and you shake your head and you want, you know, and then people get on, they, they want to go, well, you're just trying to, you know, to profit from this. No, I'm not. There, I, look, I have five trucks. I manage nine altogether. I can't, you know, what happened? We don't stop doing this just because our trucks are all full. We still keep doing it. We're, you know, we're doing, you know, we, we, we've, we've, We've got a lot of experience doing this. We can share it with people and keep them from making very, very, very stupid mistakes that, by the way, are life-changing because when you fail in this business, typically there's a bankruptcy that goes along with that, and that can be devastating to you and your family for a long time. So, um, you know, we again, we don't make any money off this podcast. The only benefit we possibly get is just, is just getting... Um, you know, a recruiting sort of a thing where people want to come here. But even with that, we have we have very limited. You know, I, I can I can hire nine drivers. Okay, so um, and uh, we don't stop doing the podcast when the trucks get full. You know, we we this is what our ninetieth, eighty. What what number of podcast 80, is? Eighty two. A bunch. Yeah. So um, at least thirty, yeah. I guess, since you started. Yeah. Yeah. So um, more if we're so damn busy. <laughs> yeah, not only do we not, do we not make any money from it, we have to take a lot of time to do this. Okay, so yeah, I mean, with all of this expert production that we do, and and all the meetings that we have to have before we put this thing together, it's a lot of time. <laughs> well, you know, you look at today. I I scheduled this thing uh, Saturday, I think, for eight o'clock, and I looked at my schedule and I thought, oh, it's not a problem. And then. I got hung up at a receiver for four hours this morning, you know, and then split the wind to try to get here by 8 and had to move it back to 8.30. And then I get almost home, 
and there's Santa Claus riding a fire truck through the hometown, and I'm <laughs> waiting on that. I'm thinking, you know, I'm well, up until a nap. Up, up until a year ago, we were both driving full. I mean, I was driving full time until a year ago. You know, we yeah. put, did this, put this together. But anyway, you know, we again remember we're mainly directing this towards people who are going to become an owner-operator, whether you come to Landstar or not, doesn't really matter, but we use Landstar as an example because that's what we live every day. And if you're yeah. thinking about doing this and you want to go buy a truck and, and become an owner-operator, please, please take your time, listen. Uh, we'll go through everything you need to do. <clears throat> and um, look, if you're one of those people that have already made the mistake, you know, it, it can be fixed. But you have to understand it takes drastic measures to undo very, very bad decisions. Um, you know, I get calls frequently from Landstar asking me to assist with, you know, somebody who's in trouble, you know. And uh, I, I'm like, yeah, I'll be happy to. But they got to be willing to change. they got to be willing to listen. I mean, yeah. obviously what they did didn't work. And so the first thing happens when I call them up, what, you know, guess what happens, Chris? They tell me how to do it, and yeah. I'm asking them, well, how, how'd that work for you? You know, <laughs> it's just this guy I was talking about a while ago with this deal yesterday. He, everybody on, on Facebook directed him towards us. You know, yeah. now here, here's a guy that's failing, okay? You know his answer was? Well, they don't do step decking. They only do van. And I'm thinking to myself, well, yeah, all my guys that make two grand a week pulling the van, they're not broke and desperate. Right. And doing stupid things, you know? So, anyway, that being what it is, let's, um, Chris, let's get a slide or two in here, okay? <clears throat> Why do first-time owner-operators fail? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. And uh, <clears throat> this was the, uh, the tease that uh, Chris put up. We're taking a little heat on that, but... You'll understand after we get through this why we said that. Let me talk about failure, and let's put it in perspective. Marine recruits, they go to boot camp. 14 out of 100 of them don't make it through. Navy SEALs, when they go to BUDS training, 75 out of 100 don't make it. First-time truck owner-operators, 95 out of 100 fail. Now, let's look at just business in general. Just business in general, no, no specific one. Startup businesses, first-time business owners, 20% fail in the first year, 30% in the second year, 45% by the fifth year, and by the tenth year, 65% of all startup businesses fail. According to Fortune Magazine, startup trucking businesses were among the highest in failure rate. The uh, statistic that we came up with a few years ago, I, this, I'm sure this came from ATBS. I'm, I'm not positive, but I I'm, I'm, think that's where it came from. That uh, between 9 and 10, first-time owner-operators, people that bought a truck for the first time, failed within two years. So you have to ask yourself a question. Why? Why would nine out of ten people who buy a truck fail? Well, um, there's a lot of reasons for that. 
Um, the I think the 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 biggest reason that people do it is because <clears throat> they're undercapitalized. Um, you see, in this business, you can go lease a truck with no money and no credit. Matter of fact, they advertise that. Hey, we'll lease your truck if you've got bad credit. Um, you have a track record of making stupid decisions, so come over here and make another one. Yeah, yeah. So that that's the question you have to ask yourself first. You, you know, you see them all the time. On you know, uh, I, I have bad credit. Where can I go get a truck? Really? Well, let's think about that. Why do you have bad credit? You know, is there a reason why you don't have you have no credit or bad credit? The reason why you don't have any money, and you, do you think that going and buying a truck and getting into business is the best solution to that problem? And we talked with our guys all the time about making smart decisions to solve problems. You know, if if, if the problem is your truck's broke down and you don't have the money to fix it, a solution is to go get another truck. You know, but is that the smart solution? Is that the best solution? Understanding that these decisions have long-term, long-lasting effects on you, both good and bad. Um, well, and one know, thing that goes one thing that goes with that is not understanding how to make yourself more valuable in the market as a company driver. That's one thing I didn't understand. I just assumed that well, thousand bucks a week is as good as it's going to get. You know, right, I didn't right. have any, I didn't have any idea that I could probably go uh, find something other to do as a company driver that I could make that extra 500 bucks a week that I could save up over 12 or 24 months. If I could live on a thousand, you know, I could put the rest in the bank and I was living on a thousand at the time, but I just assumed, well, there's, there's nothing to do. The step two is go lease a truck, you know? Well, and, and, you know, there's a reason why you have no cash, and no credit. Warning, warning. <laughs> Maybe we should address that problem before we introduce a whole bunch of new problems, and that's by starting a business, you know. Um, just like this guy we're using an example, okay? He probably had enough money to go get a truck, but when it broke down, he didn't have any money to fix it. Um, I got a newsflash for you. Trucks have thousands and thousands of moving replaceable parts. And they are going to break down. I don't care if you buy a brand new one. Go look in a showroom at a, at a dealership and see how many people are sitting in the waiting room with brand new trucks in the service department. Mm -hmm. That doesn't, oh, but I'm going to get one with a warranty. Well, okay, well, go go see how many people are in the showroom or in the waiting room of a dealership having warranty work done on trucks that they're not making any money right now because the truck's in the shop. And, by the way, the warranty doesn't pay you for lost revenue. So those are just all, again, bad decisions that can really, really affect your, you for a long, long time. <clears throat> so you say, well, then what, what, what do you recommend? I mean, how can we get around that? Well, and Chris, you, you, you touched on it. Here's what we recommend, okay? <clears throat> First of all, if you think this is what you want to do, if you think you want to go buy a truck and become an owner-operator, that's, that's fine. That decision is fine. But here's some things that we need to do to prepare for that. 
Number one, just like Chris said, either if you've got a good job where you're making um, a, a what you're worth, keep it for a while or find one that will pay you what you need to make, what you should make as a company driver. <clears throat> and then just be patient. There's no, what's the rush? You know, the, there's no, the trucks are, they're not going to quit making them next year. This industry's not going to go away next year. It's been here for a long time. We'll be here for a long time. So find a good job and then, and then look, go listen to Dave Ramsey and start eating rice and beans. Okay. <laughs> and live below your income. Do this will fix most of your problems. Again, going back to the no credit and no cash thing, fix that. Get cash, get credit, and you do that by saving money. Okay, um, that that will fix that. Live below your income. Do what it takes to save the money. Get excited about investing and saving money. Uh, and then while you're doing all this, look, truck drivers drive around 11 hours to 14 hours a day. You know, we should be the most educated people on the planet. There's nobody that goes to school for 14 hours a day. You know, nope. so everybody that drives a truck should be a PhD. Now, some of them think they are, you know, but, you know, there's Piled a difference. Higher and dumber. Yeah. But now that you're going to, you know, have a little patience here and learn some discipline, Educate yourself. There's lots of things that you can do to prepare yourself for this big decision before you jump into it and then realize after the fact, oh, shit, what have I done? You know, or the trucks broke down. I don't have any money. You know, that's going to happen. They're, they're, they, they haven't made a truck yet that does not broke down. So if you've exhausted all of your um, wherewithal to get the truck, how in the world are you going to keep it up? You know, uh, how are you going to be putting money away in a maintenance account? How are you going to be putting money away for your taxes? You know, this is not a shoestring budget kind of business. I mean, it is if you want to fail, but we're talking about how not to be in that nine and a half out of 10. This is how you become part of that half a percent who succeed is doing these things right here. So, um, here's a, <clears throat> a little thing I read the other day. I just copied it. And this is, applies here. Look, if you're having trouble managing $1,000, there's no way you're going to manage 10000 People think, well, if I could get, if I could drive a truck and make a bunch of money every week, I'd have plenty of money. No, you won't. Because if you can't manage what you've got, you'll never manage it. What, uh, you know, if you don't believe me, go look up lottery winners. Okay. Mm -hmm. They went from nothing to millions, and they're all broke. Yep. And and it's – you would think, some, how in the hell would that happen? But it does every time. Beautiful, beautiful Elvis statues yeah. and gold-plated silverware. Financial literacy is not a side effect of wealth. It's just the opposite. Having money is a side effect of financial literacy. You have to have money to be in business. You can't go into business. And see, here's what people don't think. They think, well, well, I'm just going to go buy a truck. Well, that's not what, that's, that's what you said, but what you're doing is you're going into business unprepared, unexperienced, 
unaware of the pitfalls that, that lie ahead. And this is why we have to make you take a breath and think about this, okay? Again, nine between 9 and 10 out of 10 fail their first time. You know, why? Why do you, ha- why do you want to be in that number when all it takes is preparation? Here's another little saying I saw the other day. Both poverty and riches, both are the offspring of thought. You know, it, it, ta- it, ta- it takes thought to be in both. You know, you decide that. That's your yep. decision. Um, <clears throat> I like Larry Wingett a lot. I use his, I read, I've read all his books. I like some of the things he says. I like this one a lot. Because people think, well, you're just lucky. You got, you know, you got a, you got a lucky break or you did this. No, successful people have the same battle scars as unsuccessful. But we also have the satisfaction of knowing we didn't quit just because it got hard. So when you're in that job, you know, that good job, and you're doing that, you know, you're, you're, you're making money, and, it, and it's hard to save money, understand that that's not the time to quit. Tough it out. Because it's going to get tougher when you go into business for yourself. At least now when you're doing it, you're, you know, if, if, if you don't save money for a week, you don't save money for a week. If you're in business and you blow a tire and you don't have the money, you got to fix it. Patience, discipline, that's all it takes here. Um, the next reason that people fail is what we just talked about here, no business experience. You know, they've got plenty of trucking experience. They've got plenty of experience hauling, bumping docks and hauling loads and all that sort of stuff. But, like we just said, when you buy a truck, now you're a business person, whether you want to be or not. It's part of it. And if you've got no business experience, then you've got a um, you, you, you've got a situation where you're unprepared for what's getting ready to happen. <clears throat> what I would say you do while you're saving your money and while you're being patient at your good-paying job do this. Listen, watch, and ask. Ask a lot. We just said you got 14 hours a day to educate yourself. Well, get yourself an audiobook subscription and start listening to audiobooks on business, on how to start a business. Um, you know, tap into trucking industry resources. You know, there's, uh, there's, there's lots of, of, of industry magazines you can subscribe to. Um, I would recommend you get Sirius XM radio on your truck, start listening to some of the, the trucking shows and get, understand this industry. Um, certainly talk to other successful business people. It doesn't have to be in trucking. Business is business. It doesn't matter what business it is. You know, pay money to go get trained. There are, there are training events that you can go to and learn about business. Hang out with successful people. If you want to be successful, hang out with people that are successful. You know, figure out how to tell the the successful operators from the fakes. And uh, build a relationship with those guys. Let them them tell you exactly what we're trying to do here. You know, people think we're doing this for money. You know, we're not. We run a very, very successful business. I have since 2009. I'm willing to share it with anybody. We do it every week. We've done it for 90 weeks now. 
So it's uh, it's just a matter of whether or not you want to invest the money, or well, not the money, but the time to um, to listen to it. There are other people. There are people on uh, trucking radio shows. There's other podcasts. There's lots of places here to look for information. You just have to be careful that you're you know that you're listening to people that have lived it and are not just talking it. <clears throat> yeah. Understand what a business does. I know this seems very simple, but there's a lot of people that do not understand this. You know? Nope. You have to understand what a business is in business to do. Why Why does it exist? Why do you have to, why do you want to be in business? What's the, what's your re, what's your why? If you can't figure out what your why is, you're not going to make it. You have to know what the why is. And people have different whys. What my reason is might not be your reason. But believe me, if you don't know the answer to that, it's going to be very difficult for you. And here's a biggie. And most people are going to go, well, this is stupid. You need to figure out who your customer is. <clears throat> because you have to understand that for, for you to succeed in business, you have to supply a product or service to someone else who's willing to give up money for it. You see, money is, is basically a zero-sum game. All the money in the world is out there, okay? Now, you have to figure out how to get your part from other people who have it. Well, the way you do that is you successfully satisfy their needs. And understanding who that customer is can be a little tricky in this business because a lot of drivers don't know that. They don't understand who the customer is. And a matter of fact, a lot of them have a very, very, very um, uh, bad relationship with their customer because they don't understand who the customer is. You have to understand what it takes to succeed. If it, Listen, if it was easy, 9.5 out of 10 wouldn't fail. Hint, hint. Is it going to be t is it going to be easy to do? Now it might not be difficult or complicated, but it's not going to be easy. You're going to have to you're going to have to work. You're going to have to work really hard, probably harder than you've ever worked in your life, because you got a lot on the line here. Failure comes with a cost. And here's the biggest thing: you have to understand why you have to change your identity. And you go, well, what, what do you mean by that? Well, here's what I mean. See, last week you were an employee. This week you became an owner-operator. You're an employer. You say, well, I don't have any employees. Yeah, you do. You, you're the employer now. You employ you. Every morning you wake up and you shave the, you shave the boss, you know. Now it, it's all about you. I want to I point out something here. This word, you are responsible, and look, what's the next thing after that? Period. You are responsible, period. There's no ifs, ands, or buts with that. You are responsible for everything that you have to do to make your business successful. Now, you can say, well, I got shitty freight, or I got my truck. But no, no. You control all that. If you don't understand that you have to change your identity from a victim, you know, to a problem solver, you're never going to understand this you are responsible, period, part. You know, failure doesn't let you have excuses. 
failure is failure. Failure is bankruptcy. Failure is you going back, you know, to, to finding a job and doing it all over again and then telling everybody else how you can't make any money as an owner-operator. <clears throat> how many times have you heard that? Yet there are thousands, hundreds of thousands. There are more owner-operators. The owner-operators of small businesses haul more freight than all the mega fleets put together. So oh, yeah. it does. Success is possible. But, again, you got to know what you're doing. Um, you know, we talked about understanding why business exists. You know, there's a lot of people in this world that think that this P-R-O-F-I-T is a four-letter word. Well, that's, that's greed. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you this, but the only reason to start a business is to generate a profit. That, that's, the only, uh, that's the only obligation you have to be in business. Now, you might say, well, but I, I, I'm going to do a service. Well, that's fine. But unless you generate a profit, that service will not be there very long. Uh, and let, now, if you've got big, big, deep pockets, you can do But we call that a charity, okay? Bill Gates runs a charity, all right? So the only requirement for to be in business, and, and oh, by the way, Bill Gates made a huge profit before he started the charity, okay? Hey, well, <clears throat> he said, I mean, not try to tangent here, but he said just recently that his charity work in, in vaccines was a 20-fold return. There um, you go. Yeah, you know, so <laughs> there you go. I digress. So, that's fine. You can digress, <laughs> but you have to understand that if you can't, if you if you don't understand that the only reason you exist as a business is to turn a profit, then you know that's something you're going to have to change because it, without profit, you can't stay in business. It just won't work. Now, a lot of people, there's a whole lot of people that assume that you because you start a business that you're just going to automatically make all this money. Well, go talk to anybody, any small business person, and ask them how that, how that works for them, okay? Look at restaurants right now. You know, mm. I'd like to be in a restaurant business right now, you know. So, you know, it, it, most businesses work on a shoestring profit. Usually most of them are under 2% net of, of, of revenue. And there's not a lot of leeway there. There's some industries that have very, very thin margins. Trucking's one of them. Trucking. Look at the look at the um, the publicly traded trucking companies. All that information is publicly available. Look and see what their profit margins are. You know. So, what? Um, you know what? Well, what we hey, need... let's let's pause on that for just a second because, sure. Pete, you know, re, that's, it, it's two percent. By the way. They 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 have an operating ratio of ninety eight. They spend ninety eight cents of every dollar that they make, um, and so owner operators are or people that are interested in becoming an owner operator. They see Swift and Schneider because of the branding and because of the the yeah the recognition. And, well, they're hauling freight. Well, I want to haul freight, so I, I need to go get a truck like theirs. You cannot survive as an owner-operator with a 98% uh, operating ratio. You can't do it. Um, you, you, can't, you can't make two cents a mile like they can. So you've, you've got to look um, 
other other places, and you can't say, oh, well, I mean, they're using a $150,000 truck, so I'll go use a $150,000 truck. It doesn't work. You, you've got to... You've got to work like a businessman, like Larry said. And I was shocked when I when my truck went down and I went to work for Swift for thirty days. In orientation, you know here, you know they've got the greenest of the green, and I'm sitting in there and this lady's talking about how big they are and they got eighty thousand trailers and they don't even know where some of them are. And she said, you know, with all of those numbers, do you know how much of the entire industry we are? And it was something like three percent. You know that they're so tiny, Swift. Night Swift now is tiny in the grand scheme of things when it comes to all of the trucks on, operating up and down the road. They're not, uh, they're not the norm. They're the exception to the rule. So, Chris, you're a good person to talk about this one right here. Oh, boy. Hmm. <clears throat> The success of your business is directly proportionate to the quality and quantity of solutions it brings to other people's problems. I didn't, I didn't realize, I didn't realize that I was good at something that was necessary. When I came here to Landstar in 2014, um, I had a really good relationship with the fleet manager that I had at ATS. And every day uh, when he woke up or, or when he came into work, he would find an email from me, and I, it would either say, um, all good and on time, or it would say I'd had some kind of problem. But every day I sent him an email, and he told me he appreciated that. So when I would deliver a load for at Landstar with an agent, I would email, hey, I'm loaded or I'm empty or I've arrived. Or, and I did not even know how much they appreciated that because Landstar drivers refused to communicate. Um, we are in the business of serving agents. We're serving their customers, obviously. And it doesn't matter if it's C.H. Robinson or it's a Landstar Direct customer. We are here to serve agents. Agents are here to serve customers directly. We're all doing the same job. But at Landstar, the agent is our customer. They have problems they need solved. It's our duty to, to solve those problems for them. Um, and, I, you know, it amazes me that, that, that people come here because they had a bad relationship with a dispatcher um, and they didn't understand... Um, all of the moving parts and pieces. They didn't see what the load planners had to do. They didn't see what the customer service people had to do. And at company drivers, you get one load and then another load and then another load. And then there's never any, um, there's never any real networking involved. And then you come here, and you realize that you have to network with people. You you have to communicate. There's all this stuff that you have to do. That is your duty and your responsibility. Um, but you have to understand who your customer is. And if you're at Landstar, that's your agent. If you're an independent, that's your your broker or your customer directly. But whoever it is, that, that person that's helping you get that freight, they're your customer. So you need to treat them with the respect that they deserve. You'll get it back. The problem is I think truck drivers that, that become owner-operators, they don't understand. They, they want to be respected without you know, giving it out first. 
and and that that's a huge problem uh in this industry well and especially at landstar because you know you've heard this um, i'm sure a million times but you know if you're going to be successful at landstar you have to have relationships with you know agents that have the kind of freight that you like run the areas that you run or whatever it is but um that is that is the key to success at Landstar. Now it would be the key to success with any business, even if you're run under your own authority. If you don't have a few brokers out there that, you know, that are going to give you that freight, you're going to be then then you're you're only working off the load board. And then you know you may may know this, you may not, but there's a, a lot of freight that never reaches the load board. Some of the best freight never reaches reaches the load board. So if um, if you really want to get the top-notch customers, the top-notch freight, you know, um, you, you're going to have to understand that you got to have a relationship with that agent or that broker um, because he, you're never going to have a shot at it if you don't, you know. Um, and believe me, they're, they're, they're looking for good BCOs or good owner-operators just as desperately as you are looking for a good agent because... Believe me, there's <laughs> there 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 are there are fewer good ones than there are regular ones. Let's put it that way, and uh, yeah. and by that I mean, you know, they um, they understand that. It, well, let me just show this next slide. You know, this is what we're talking about here. You you must develop an attitude of service. You have to understand why it's important to put your customer's needs above your own. Um, I mean, just a small example. You know, we had a, well, Chris had a load cancel last week. All right. Yep. He was 600 miles from his next load. Canceled at the last minute. He was at the shipper and it canceled. Yep. He's booked out all the way until next Friday. A lot of customers that, we work with two of two or three of the loads were customer customer we work with every week. Yep. So, I mean, he a person in that situation could easily have said, "Well, screw it, I'm just gonna, I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna cancel everything. I'm gonna start all over again." Um, that's not what we do here. Chris deadheaded the 600 miles and was at the next customer, and we lived up to what we said we were gonna do because here. We teach our people, and we firmly believe that you do what you say you're going to do, and you do it when you said you're going to do it, and you do it how you said you were going to do it. No exceptions, no excuses. And that's how you build relationships with your customer, is having that attitude of service, because it comes back to you. You know, it comes back to you. You know, we can call these agents that we do all this for, and they they do they do all sorts of things for us, you know. I mean, it it's 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 um it's unbelievable, the the help that they give us. I'm not gonna get real specific about it, but we very very seldom are on the trailer list. I'll just leave it at that, okay? Right. So um, it's important, you know. You have to understand that if you're not going to provide a service or a product to your customer, don't expect them to pay you, okay? 
You, you, you're, you're in business to make a profit. The way you make a profit is you have to provide value to what you do. The more value you provide, the more, the more you'll get paid. It's just that simple. Reason number three that people fail in this business in the first two years is because they assume too much risk. Now, um, wow, this can be, this can be pretty complicated. Well, not really complicated, but there's a lot of risk that people don't understand. You see, the decision to, to get in business, to start business, it, it's, it's easy. You just decide, I'm going to go buy a truck. But the problem with that is staying in business, you know. There's a difference between deciding to go into business and then being able to stay in business. That's a skill that you have to either have or acquire. And the most important of those is understanding how to minimize risk. I mean, look, that's just common sense. The, you have a higher success rate based on how much risk that you're taking. Risky things, it's just like investment. Risky investments typically have a much higher, um, you know, um, chance of losing your money, okay? Right. Non-risky uh, investments, you know, you, 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 your, your chances of, uh, of not losing your money are higher. So it's, it's no different here. You go into business and you go way in debt to buy a truck. That's risky. What happens when the market goes south? or the pandemic hits, and now the rates won't support your truck payment. Don't buy the wrong truck. You know, every truck is not designed for every operation. If you don't understand that and you buy the wrong spec truck, there's no way to overcome that. Um, don't buy the wrong truck could also be a truck that you can't afford. Um, the wrong truck could be a truck that you didn't do the homework on and you bought, a, a, you know, somebody else's problem. All of those are the wrong truck. Those can all be corrected with preparation. Here's the one we've been talking about all this time. Don't go into business until you're ready. Um, how do you know when you're ready? Well, you really never know. But all you can do is all you can do. And so if you, if you, if you understand um, the things we're talking about tonight and, and, and you um, don't just go fly off and buy a truck, you know, you make the right decision. The, all, the, all the decisions that you make that are smarter than the others increase your odds of staying in business, okay? You could do everything right here and not stay in business. Because there's things that you can't control. What we're trying to do here is minimize those, okay, by making sure that when things that happen that out of your control happen, it doesn't put you out of business because you've got a little cushion because of the other things that we're telling you to do here. Let's pause right there because we got a good comment that came up here okay. from Rizzo. Is a delete risky? <laughs> Uh, yes, yes, it's a uh, hundred. It's way risky. It it it. 
It's, so let's um, let's kind of roll through that. So let's say you you got a truck and it's already deleted. Okay, and um, there's not just one way to delete a truck, right? Uh, depending on the engine and and who did it. So number one, if you don't know who did it, you don't know how to undo it. Um, it it would be nice. And I'm sure there are people that believe with all their precious hearts that, you know, you can just delete a truck and everything's okay. Um, but that's not the case. Um, if you get some jack wagon that has deleted the EGR or the, or the, the catalyst off of one of these trucks, um, you don't know <clears throat> what kind of problems it's going to bring. Um, you know, then if you break down somewhere and the closest place to you is a dealer and they find that it is deleted they won't touch it they won't let it in the building unless you agree to put it back the way it came well you know guess what now you have no idea what parts have, have been uh, 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 removed you don't know what's missing uh, you could be looking at twenty thousand dollars just to put it back right plus fix whatever else was wrong with it um, you know, one of our trucks, uh, when Larry got it, it had been deleted, uh, and it cracked ahead, you know, so, um, you know, the, there are, there are ways now to make the new trucks run that are, that are completely legal. Uh, Pittsburgh power has got, um, some aftermarket stuff and some programming that will make them run well, make them be reliable, especially if you're buying after 2015. Um, you know, everybody in the industry is pretty confident that, that trucks 2015, 2016, and up, uh, that the OEMs have kind of got them uh, straightened out. But I will absolutely not, under any circumstances, buy a truck that's deleted. Um, we, we did that. We, we bought one, didn't know it was deleted, um, and it was a nightmare, you know, and it was incredibly expensive. Uh, and it's just not worth it. It's absolutely well, not worth it. And it's not worth it to fix to, to use that as a fix. No. I mean, first of all, if you're in a situation where you're needing to delete your truck, you bought the wrong truck. So, I mean, let's just get to the to the, to the the bottom of the problem. You, 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 you shouldn't have to delete a truck. If, there's a, if you're deleting it, you're deleting because there's a problem. Okay? Now, yeah. you know, there are trucks that, and we'll tell you about it in a little bit here. I mean, there's trucks. We, I mean, we won't even look at them, you know. Um, but that's, a, again, that's when you buy that truck, you're taking that risk. When you delete that engine, you're taking a risk because let me tell you something. There was a guy just the other. You know, we see, the, we see these, these sob stories on, on, the, on Landstar groups all the time. There was a guy just last week, okay. His truck's deleted. It's broke down. He can't get it fixed. They won't even let it in the building, you know. Um, and now he's uh, he's either he also can't trade it in. It has zero trade-in value, okay. So oh, now that's he's the one where they bought it and they didn't know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've got his name right here in front of. Me. We're going to get him on the podcast, okay? He yeah. bought it from a truck dealership and they did they they lied about it and he didn't know. And it in within a couple of weeks it it, it well here's how he found out about it. Three weeks into it, he hadn't used a, a, a drop of death fluid. <laughs> right. He's like, well, this, this isn't right, you know? <laughs> so he gets it checked out. And he goes, yeah, it, the reason it doesn't use any death is because besides the death tank, there's nothing else on here. 
that uses there's the DPF is gone, okay? It's completely removed, and there's a flex pipe going to the turbo. So, uh, so now, you know, he he's in a really bad way. Guess what? He bought the wrong truck. Guess what? He didn't do his homework. Guess what? He was unprepared. Guess what? He's going out of business. You know, um, that's that's just a path to to bankruptcy. You know, um, no, no, I, it's not. You know, it 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 is a permanent fix to a temporary problem. Is what it is. And if you're having to delete your truck, then there, you know, there's that's not going really going to fix the problem in the long run. It might let you run for a while, you know. Who knows? What if, um, I mean, what if they stick the hose up the tailpipe and find out that your NOx is wrong, and then they put you on the side of the road out of service right then? Then you got to fix it to move it. You know, those are just yep. risks I'm not willing to take. Okay, I'm in business to teach people how to do business, and let's go back to that. The reason people, reason businesses are in, are in, are in business, reason businesses exist, is to legally and morally generate a profit. I have a problem with that. First of all, it's illegal. Now you can equate legal and moral. That's a whole different argument. But not, never the, nevertheless, it's illegal to have that truck. Number two is you're just going to complicate yourself eventually. I mean, it's just like speeding. You might get caught, you might not. There'll be 50 people after this thing will tell you, oh, that's okay, don't go ahead and do it. That's fine. I'm telling you, I talked to a guy last week that's not fine, okay? He's screwed. He's screwed big time because yep. he, he cannot, he does not have the money to fix it, okay? He cannot take the truck back where he bought it. They, are, they totally shut him out. Now, he might be able to get a lawyer and sue him. He hasn't got the money for that. So, again, go back to number two here, ways to minimize risk. Do not buy the wrong truck. Do not buy the wrong truck. And there is a way to minimize that, okay? And it's just, again, educating yourself, preparing yourself. You know, it, we learned. We learned the hard way, you know? Oh, yeah. But that's why we're telling you. So you don't have to learn the hard way. We're giving it to you for free, you know? Look. Anyway, I think I think we've I think you understand that. I, well, let me let me add one more and, point to that. I, I through experience, I can open the hood on a truck now, and I can I can pretty much, with most of them, look and see if something's missing, right? But that's experience, okay? Well, if you've never, if if you're not all that mechanically inclined, and you've never, you don't know what to look for. That's one of the things I love about. The, you know, what Kevin Rutherford had always taught about picking a truck. Be willing to let it go. You know, spend the money mm -hmm. to have somebody look it over. Plug a computer into it. Do an oil sample. Uh, put it on a dyno. Uh, there's things that you can do, but if, again, back to broke, desperate, and stupid. If you don't have the money, if you're not in a position where you can lose $500 on checking out a truck, you don't need to be buying a truck. You need to be willing to put it on a dyno. That's probably three fifty. Uh, you might need to pay somebody a couple of hours to to look it over. Um, if you don't have the expertise, then you need to find somebody to do it and be willing to invest that time. If not, don't buy a truck. We'll give you some other options about that here a little bit later. All right, back to minimizing risk. 
Um, don't ask friends and family for their opinions. Um, your friends and family, they love you. They care about you. They're going to support you. That's not what you don't need a cheerleader here. You need a coach. Okay. You don't need somebody to cheer you on the sideline. You need somebody to kick you right in the ass, especially if you're getting ready to do something stupid. Your family won't do that. Okay. Very few of them will. Um, so their opinion is really worthless when it comes to you determining whether or not you need to be in business or not. Um, I don't recommend that you participate or sit at the liar's counter. Now that has gone away with the pandemic, but the liar's counter is pretty much on Facebook now. Yeah. So I would say don't ask anybody on Facebook anything because those are, those are not facts. Those are opinions and, and their opinions are like assholes. And we all know about that. Uh, and here's things that these are my famous, fam my, my famous words here. Don't buy stupid stuff and don't do stupid stuff. Don't go into debt to buy stupid stuff. That's only creating more risk. Have discipline. Be able to say no. Save money. Understand, save money. That's what matters here. Smart business people, don't go into debt and don't use credit cards. Okay? And I'm going to get on my Dave Ramsey thing here, you know? It, look, if, you, if you're personally, financially train wreck. You're going to be, business-wise, a train wreck. And you don't need to be there. There's, you don't have to be there. Go get a good job and not have all the risk. Get your shit straightened out. Then go get into business. You're not going to go into business and straighten your, your situation out. It will not happen. I promise you, if you think that going into business is going to fix your financial problems, you're dead wrong, Okay. Because you're in a problem because of your inability to manage your money. What are you going to do when you have more of it? Just mismanage it as well. Now, I, I hate to be this way, but that's being stupid. That's being desperate and stupid. You know, get a job. Stay a company driver. There's no, it, it's, there's no shame in being a company driver. There's more shame in being bankrupt and a business failure than there is being a company driver. And in this business, here. it says don't go in debt to buy trucks, only buy what I can. Absolutely. Why not? Um, yeah, I know that bingo. Seems like a foreign concept. Bingo, you got it. <laughs> you know, I, you guess what? You just you just got an A in the class, okay? Absolutely. Don't if you don't have the look. People that are in debt have pressure. If, if, if you're going to go into business, again, we want to minimize the pressure. Minimize the You know how many people that can't go home for the holidays as their own rappers because they can't afford? If they took Chris, have, tell them about when you took off for Christmas one time when you owned your own truck. Oh, you mean when the bl engine blew up? No, when you, you couldn't afford to go home because you'd be $900 behind when you got back out. And how many weeks would it oh, take yeah, you? Oh, to... yeah, when I was leasing. Yeah. Yes. yes. Well, it, it wasn't that I didn't go. I did go home, but I had to stay out six weeks, you know, with a, a three-year-old and a six-year-old at home. And I had to stay gone six weeks, you know, all through the spring and the summer and the fall so that I could afford to take, you know, a week and a half or two weeks off at Christmas. 
you know, yeah. but I did what I had to do, you know, and that's, that's easy. It really is. That that's, that's easy to say, okay, well I'll stay out six weeks and then, you know, but we won't say, well, I need to do whatever I need to do to save up $10,000 to go pay cash for a truck. And now I've got a $10,000 truck and now I need to have another 10 or 15 to get it ready to make it, to make it efficient, make it roadworthy, make it reliable. And now I can go, uh, run freight with no risk, you know, or very, very little risk, a whole lot less risk than if I had a two or 2000 or 2,500 or 35. I mean, we've seen, y'all, we've seen people with $3,500 truck payments, you know, that's, that's, that's almost a week's revenue, you know, for a truck payment. What are you going to do when the pandemic hits? I know that people don't believe this. You don't have to have a new truck. You don't even have to have a 40. Th- you, you can go buy a truck and pay cash for a ten fifteen thousand dollars truck and go make money with it. Okay. Yep. There's, there, there's no shame in that. And guess what? You have no truck payment. You know, if the pandemic hits, you're not out of business. You know, if you need to take off for a couple of weeks, you're not out of business. Again, don't ever go. I mean, Joey, look, you, I, don't, I wouldn't just tell you don't go in debt for anything except maybe your house, you know. Uh, everything else you do, pay, save the money, pay cash. Just keep your job, save the money. Cash, let me tell you something. Cash, cash has a very, very loud voice, okay. I bought a truck back in June, and... Um, I bought it, so I didn't see him, okay? But uh, it's a truck I wanted. I talked to the guy. I kind of felt like I, I'm, I've got a pretty good bullshit detector now, uh, having done this for a while. And the guy started out at, he, he, he wanted $15,000 for it. And I said, look, um, I'll give you, you 12000 for it, guaranteed, right now, if you'll, it was in Florida, I'm in Kentucky, so I'll give you twelve thousand for it right now if you'll take it off the market, and um, and hold it for me till I can get down there. Well, I told Chris this. I took twelve thousand dollars with me, but I left there paying him nine thousand dollars for that truck because I had cash money. So, you know. Anytime you go in debt, you're going to pay more for it. I mean, debt's expensive. Debt raises the risk. You got to pay it back. You know, Dave Ramsey says there's only two kinds of people in the world: people that owe money, people that loan money. Okay, guess which one makes? Guess we talked about how the the the, the all the money in the world's out there. Guess how the people that got it got it because they didn't borrow it. Okay, save your money, pay cash it. You go to the front of the class, Joey. That that's exactly what we're saying here. Well, um, hang on, he's got another comment. <laughs> so, Lone Mountain, <laughs> the Land Star is a bad idea, in your opinion. I've been very seriously there. Okay, look, I got I I bought a truck from Lone Mountain. I got nothing bad to say about them. The deal was exactly what they said it would be. I bought the truck, so I can't, I cannot say you know that Lone Mountain's a bad company, that they they write bad deals. I can't say any of that. Okay, what I can tell you from experience is when you go into debt to buy a truck, I won't say it's impossible, right? Because people do it all the time, right? 
but also 95% of them fail. What we're trying to tell you here is that, you know, probably at Lone Mountain, you're looking anywhere from a three, depending on what you get, three to a somewhere between three and $10,000 down to get one of those trucks, okay? Um, now, if you're getting a truck that's 2015, 2016, it's got 600,000 miles on it, and, um, you know, and it's got DEF and DPF and all this stuff on it, and you, you know, you come up with four, five, six thousand $6,000 to put down, plus your twenty two ninety and your insurance and, you know, all these other costs that you probably don't have any clue what they are until you get to the dealership to pick the truck up and like, oh, by the way, here's another $1,200 you've got to spend out of your pocket. You are riding a time bomb, okay? However, if you save up the $10,000, you have another fifteen dollars uh, in your pocket, then you can get a truck DOT legal, um, you could put a really nice seat in it for $650. That's where you're going to spend most of your time. Um, and it's DOT legal. You can go start making money with that truck day one. Then you put a nice, um, uh, you know, put a good set of tires on it. Get your suspension straight. Get a good alignment. Start using the money that you're making to get your truck even more efficient. Um so, you know, I'm not going to talk trash about Lone Mountain, um, but they're in the business to uh, to lease trucks to people. And that's not what we're going to recommend because I've lived it. I have lived the nightmare. I've had two engine failures in 14 months. All right. Twenty four thousand dollars to rebuild it. Fourteen months later, it blew up again. Right. And I was done. You know, I had paid for that truck. I had the title. From Lone Mountain, I did everything I was supposed to do. I paid it off. They sent me the title. It was my truck, 18 cents a mile. For the life of that truck, if I'd had 18 cents a mile, not only would I had no problem paying for the first engine, I could have paid for the second engine. So um, we, uh, we want you to succeed. We want you to be an owner-operator a year, year and a half, two years, three years later, right? Um that's that's the goal. The goal here is not just to have a truck. The goal here is to have a successful business that lasts. Well, let me add to that a little bit. Um, Go ahead. Rem well, remember, um, and again, it's not it's not Lone Mountain. I, I, it, where you get it doesn't matter. But right, was that Joey? That was that. Was that? Yeah, Joey. That's how. Most people come to Landstar for the first time is they go somewhere and they lease or buy a truck and they come to Landstar. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I seriously, seriously, seriously discourage that, okay? Because, number one, it's, it's risky. Getting the truck's not the end of the, the, end of the game. Um, the truck is going to break down. It, it's just a matter of when. It, it, there's not any way that you're going to drive that truck for a year or two and not spend a lot of money on it. Um, and then you, you know, you, you still got the pressure of this, of this, of this contract, you know, um, if you're coming to Landstar and you've never, uh, dealt with agents and finding loads. And I mean, that your whole life changes very drastically when you come here. You can come here and succeed, but 
you 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 really need to not have pressure a pressure of a payment i i just it you know i again what we're doing is not what most people do i i admit that right up front but again we put people in business to stay in business you know and 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 uh, again i mean going back to the dave ramsey thing how many people are debt free i mean how many people do you know personally that though zero money, that is a rarity. You would probably call those people lunatics. Well, that's what we're called, okay? You're one out of a thousand people that come to Lansar are going to do things the way we're telling you to do it. But remember, nine and a half out of ten of them fail, okay? Even at Lansar, 30% of people at Lansar fail. Uh, most of them are because they bought a truck and they couldn't afford to fix it when it broke down. I get the phone calls every week. Landstar sends me people every week. They want to drive one of your trucks because they can't afford to fix theirs. Well, too bad. I don't let BCLs drive my trucks. Okay? <laughs> Most of them are stupid. <laughs> Proven and, and they, they evidenced by the fact that they're in that situation. So let me get this straight. You want to come drive my truck for a few weeks, save them enough money to fix yours, and go right back and do it all over again. No, thanks. How about you come here and let me teach you how not to, how to get out of that mess and not get back in it and stay for a year and a half or two years and learn how to do this the right way. Now I'll talk to you. But no, you're not going to drive my truck for six weeks while you go fix yours and trash mine in the meantime. So uh, keep listening. We'll, we'll address some of the things. You can buy a truck without, well, you can pay cash for a truck. You do not have to uh, go lease a truck. I would never, ever, ever recommend that. And, um, and and we'll address this thing you're talking. Well, I mean, look, a place to look for good used trucks that is a that is a a job. You know, it yeah. it takes us sometimes months to find well, a truck. Marlon Marlon's in, is in California, right? So he's got oh a well, bit. you just need to yeah. move, okay? You <laughs> right move. You but, don't want to hey, do this in California, okay? You know, you, right. it, <laughs> Texas. Uh, Texas is 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 openly receiving. Texas is, loves right. Californians, okay? Go there but, and buy. But let's think. You know, so maybe Marlin's in a position. But so here's the thing: 2015 and up are pretty good trucks. You know, they're they're they they got it worked out, and um, it's a buyer's market right now. You know, so you probably could pick up. Um, a 2015 or 2016 truck for 20, 25 grand. You know, you're not going to walk out your front door and trip over it. You know, you're going to have to look for it. You're going to, you might have to go to another part of the country to find it. Um, but the, the, uh, the, 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 the trucks that you could run legally in California are out there and the market's really depressed right now, you know, but, but a lot of that is, being prepared to jump on those opportunities when they come. So you need to have that 20 or 25 grand. Somebody that lives over here on the East Coast where we do, they can get in a truck for 10 grand. You live in California, you're probably looking at 25 or 30 for a good truck. But that's you're still not 150. You're probably not going to find it on a, on a truck lot. We don't buy trucks Correct. from lots. Right. We buy trucks from individuals who are retiring or they're upgrading to a, a, a new or newer truck and we buy their, their other one. But we look at trucks a whole lot different. First of all, we, we can't buy a truck in California because I don't own a truck that can go to California. And I got nothing against California. I just think you people out there are nuts. Okay. Your government's even more nuts than you are. But, um, you know, 
I, I really can't help you there because I'm totally against buying a truck that's California legal because that makes it DPF. And DPF to me is not minimizing risk. Okay. So yeah. I, I can't, I can't, I can't really recommend right. that. Uh, what I would recommend you do is move out of California and then go buy a 2007 or older truck that doesn't have DPF. That's what I would tell you to do. And I'm going to tell you well, to do that here shortly. So It's kind of like automatics versus manuals, right? I, I drove a two-pedal automatic for the first time today. You know, never drove one. And if it wasn't for the anxiety of being worried about it breaking down and the cost of that, I, I could get used to that, you know? Um, but there's not enough advantage in automatic transmissions right now in like efficiency. Um, uh, uh, it's really, really, really hard to break a manual transmission, right? Larry's truck, uh, Larry's original truck is a 10 speed manual that has 1.8 million miles on it. And it's still as tight as it's ever been. Um, it's probably the best transmission in our fleet, and 1.8 million miles on it. You can't, you cannot do 1.8 million on an automatic. You know, you can't do 1.800 hardly on an automatic without it breaking. You know, so it's just about you know choosing the right truck. Get the most truck you can for the money that suits your operation or suits where you live. If you have to live in the People's Communist Republic of California, you know that's, you know, but it's going to change the number. But it's still not. If you can save 10 grand, you can save 25. But look, again, don't get hung up on the truck. That's not the most important thing. The most important thing is, are you ready to be in business? Okay, the truck's easy. Finding a good truck's really not hard. Okay, truck paper, uh, Facebook marketplace, hang out there for a couple months, you'll you'll find a truck. But oh, yeah. are you ready in a couple months? That's what we're trying to make you understand here. And And if you don't have the cash, you're not ready. Okay? You're not ready. Don't go in debt to do this. Do not go into debt to do this. Okay? Nine and a half out of ten fail. Remember that. Go back to the beginning. Nine and a half out of ten first-time truck owners fail. Probably nine and a half out of ten of them went into debt. Okay? There's a correlation there. Nine and a half out of ten of them didn't know anything about being in business. There's a correlation there. You can't do the same things everybody else did and expect different results. We all know what that means so keep 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 the big concepts in mind here don't sweat the little stuff the trucks the little stuff that's easy understand the rest of it that's the hard part that's the part that you're going to make you or break you okay finding a truck is easy all right reason number four poor decisions like leasing a truck at low mountain or any place else by the way, Lone Mountain is spelled wrong. It should be L-O-A-N, Mountain, okay? <laughs> yeah. Because that's what it is. It's a mountain Odette, which you do not need, okay? Right. The Lone, L-O-N-E part is the people that choose not to do that. They're alone, but if you're going to go to Lone Mountain, you're, they need to change the contract to spell L-O-A-N, okay? <laughs> Poor decisions, undisciplined freedom. What do I mean by that? Everybody thinks they're going to go in business. Now I'm going to do what the hell I want to do. I don't have to do this anymore. Right, right. Let me explain something to you. We had probably the best candidate we've ever had in our program 
decide yep. just recently that he's going to move on and not be an owner operator. It's not because he doesn't know how. It's not be, he was he he listen, he got it. He had relationships. He could have started tomorrow and had five or six agencies feed him freight and never have to get on the low board. It's not that he couldn't do it. He decided on his own that this is really not what he wants to do. He wants to go home at 5 o'clock and not have to worry about what the truck is doing. He wants to go home on the weekend and not worry about business. Well, I, you know, I, I'm glad he figured that out now because when you get in business, there are no weekends. There are no snow days. There aren't any holidays. Business doesn't stop just because you think that, you know, you want time off. I've been in business since 1977. Now, there wasn't a cell phone in 1977, but there was in 1989. I have not had one minute of my life since 1989 without a cell phone. I've probably not told anybody this, but in 20, I don't know, three years ago, four years ago, um... I was an agent at Landstar and a BCO at the same time. I was standing, I was sitting by my father on his deathbed. And as an agent, I was having to take care of freight customers and, and deal with my dying father. Mm. Okay? Now, you might say, well, that, you're fucking nuts. Well, <laughs> maybe. Maybe I am. Um, but I'm just telling you, this is a responsibility and a commitment that you will not believe, cannot believe. It doesn't stop. Now I have employees. It's not just me. I have people's livelihoods that depend on me. I can't go to bed at night and turn the phone off. What if I have a driver that has an emergency? You get it? This is not just deciding to buy a truck. This is deciding to change your identity from an employee who can go home at 5 o'clock and not give a rat's ass you know, to a situation where you can't turn it off. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that, especially your first. Now, if you've been doing this for 10 or 15 years and everything's paid for and you want to take off for a few months and go home, that's fine. But that's not who we're talking about here. Remember, we're directing this toward people who want to become owner-operators for the first time. Not going to happen, Okay. You know, this, this situation you think you're going to be in where, well, I'm just going to pick my own loads and I'm going to do my own thing. And yeah, that's, you are, you are. But you see, I'm showing you a picture of a poor decision. Okay. People, people buy these trucks. All right. Here's, here's some things that are poor decisions. Okay. Deciding to buy a truck. As Joey just talked about. Cash, finance, lease, or lease purchase. That's a decision. All of them have different consequences. Three of the four of them are a disaster, in my opinion. <clears throat> and listen, we've we've got previous episodes on lease purchase. If you want to yep. if you're considering lease purchase, go back and look at our lease purchase episode, okay? Uh and 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 Believe me, again, if you're not willing to take the time to do the homework, you're going to make a mistake. I can tell you right now. You're going to be one of the nine and a half out of ten. You know, I hate it for you, but again, 
you've got to decide to get serious about this and prepare yourself. And leasing a truck is not preparing yourself. Buying the right truck, like we just said. If you're going to buy a truck that's 2008 or newer, in my opinion, you're, you're taking risk because it's going to have DPF. What's a one-box cost, Chris? Oh, my gosh. $20,000. Okay. Now, you buy one of those trucks that has one of those and you have to replace that? You gonna you got that money? Okay. Or you can go buy a truck that doesn't have that on it. And oh, by the way, I'm not talking about deleting it. I mean, let's get a truck that didn't come with it so it's legal. And we don't and that's no longer a risk for you. Okay? Finding the right carrier for you. Maybe it's Landstar, maybe it's not. You know? But again, that's a decision that you're likely to make wrong if you don't prepare yourself. What kind of freight are you going to haul? Well, I'm, I'm going to be one of them oversized guys. Well, fine. Maybe you are, maybe you aren't. you got to have a lot of letters behind your name to do that. Maybe that's not the right decision right now, okay? Uh, got a lot, of, a lot of flatbedders are pulling vans right now. Just saying. Are you going to deal with brokers, load boards, or dispatchers? That's a decision you're going to make. But again, there's a big difference between those three. And here's my favorite one especially if you're not going to be leased on, are you going to factor or are you going to fash, that cash flow your invoices? We got a, 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 a thing on that too, by the way. Uh, factoring is for fools, by the way. Okay. If you're going to factor, just go ahead and write, just send me your money now and I'll save you all the trouble. Okay. No reason to get there. Look, in business, there's only two ways to improve your revenue. Okay. You can increase your revenue or your sales or you can decrease your costs and expenses. Most people think the easiest way is I'll just go get more business. Chris Polk is a perfect example of that, okay? I'll just work harder, okay? I'll work mm -hmm. harder. I can overcome this, okay? I can outwork stupidity. Well, we'll tell you in a minute how that turned out. But you have to choose one or two or a combination of these two to improve your revenue when you're in business, okay? Let's look at this a little bit closer. Increasing revenue will only provide you with the actual profit from that increase because you've got cost of business to do that additional revenue. If you take more loads or you drive more miles, there's a cost to that. So yes, you're improving your revenue, but you're also increasing your cost. So your cost of doing that additional business is automatically going to be reduced by what your cost of doing that is. So so the amount of revenue you're generating this extra is now only going to be a portion of that. And we already talked about how the truck industry, that revenue is 2%. So it's going to be some fraction of what you actually think you're making. But if you take the harder decision, the better decision, it, to cut your cost as opposed to increasing your revenue, then if you save a dollar, you get to keep the whole dollar. There's no cost involved with cutting costs. It's a decision, usually. So it's much more effective to cut expenses on the business you already have than to increase your revenue and not cut your cost. In trucking, fuel is your number one cost. Okay? Besides yourself, fuel is your number one cost. But if you will buy a truck that gets good fuel mileage and has low maintenance cost, you can affect that very easily. It's decisions. And it, it's, it's so you can keep the money 
and stop giving it to the fuel companies. The number five reason for not knowing or care, uh, for number number five reason for failing is either not knowing or not caring about your numbers. And you go, well, what what does that mean? Well, look, I, go ask a McDonald's franchisee how much a ketchup packet costs. I promise you, he can tell you. Go ask an owner operator tomorrow at a truck stop what his cost per mile is, and he either doesn't know it or he's probably just going to make up something to answer your question. Because it's appalling how few people in this industry know what it costs them to drive a truck. The only way you can do that is to keep your numbers. There is a big problem with not knowing your numbers. How do you know if you're making any money or not? You know, you go, well, I got money in my pocket. Yeah, but you know what? How much of that do you owe the government? How much of that should be put away for, for maintenance and, and future cost? Maybe you're not. Maybe you don't have any money when you do that. Um, how do you know if you can haul that load on the low board or not if you don't know what your cost per mile is? You have to know your cost per mile. You cannot be in business, in a trucking business, and not know what it costs you to drive that truck per mile. That's a reason why people fail. They don't know their numbers. They don't care about the numbers. They don't think the numbers are important. Believe me, a couple of pennies a gallon on fuel, as much fuel as you'll buy in a year, can be as much as five to $10,000 difference in your fuel costs. You know, I have trucks that have fuel costs in the low 20s. I know people that have fuel costs in the high 30s, you know. So there's a big difference between that when you're driving 100,000 miles a year. A big difference, okay? And that decision to buy that truck has a whole lot to do with that number. Number six reason, seeking the advice, or in most cases, the opinion of the wrong people. Um, somebody told me one time, I forget who it was, they said, look, you can't talk to people about something that they've never done. You know, you, 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 you have to understand that when, when you're on Facebook, People aren't giving you facts or giving you their opinions. And most of the time, it's somebody else's opinion that they just happen to agree with. That's not who you want to talk to. Talk to people who know what they're doing because they've proved it. They, it's evidenced by their success or by what they're doing or their actions, not by just because they've got some crazy idea that, that, that they think is, 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 is valid. Talk to people about IFTA if you want to understand what I'm talking about. Look, here's what we recommend here. Here's how we teach our guys to do it. This is what we recommend, okay? We call ourselves the lunatics because we've been called that too many, so many times. But here's how you minimize risk. Here's how you do this and not, and, and, and not fail, okay? No truck payment, no pressure. Very low entry barrier, low risk. Low cost per mile and low cost of doing business. And because of that, you have many, many more loads to choose from. Lower maintenance cost. More repair options when needed. You know, if you have a 2018 Peterbilt, you've got to take that to the Peterbilt dealership most of the time to get it worked on. If you've got an older Freightliner, there's a whole lot more people that work on that than that other truck. Okay? 
This program works in any economic climate. We have proved it. And since 2009, I've gone through three, three serious economic downturns and a pandemic. And it worked every time. I was profitable during We expanded during the pandemic. We didn't retract. We expanded. Yep. I made money in 2009, 2014, where 25% of trucking companies went out of business. So this works. How to be a lunatic? By 2007, older, aerodynamic, that means Columbia Century, Freightliner or Volvo with only a Detroit Series 60 engine. Why? Because they're easy to work on. Parts are cheap. You can get it fixed anywhere without having to go pay $125 an hour at 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 a dealership. Okay? We've got excellent mechanics that work for us for $75 an hour and love working on our stuff. Yep. Okay? Do your homework on the truck. Go get a rig dig report. Go get the, take it to, the, to an independent mechanic and have it checked out. You know, um, do all the research you possibly can on the truck before you'd make a decision. Try to find the reason not to buy it, not to buy it. And that way you're willing to walk away. You've got to be willing to walk away. Don't fall in love with a truck. That's the worst thing can happen to you, you know. Make sure it's DOT and Landstar compliant. Only buy a truck that has the correct specs for fuel mileage. Now, we've got a program. We just did one. It's, a, it's our previous uh, podcast of this. We talk about the specs. Okay, you can't go buy a truck that did lumber hauling and come out here and haul general freight with it and be able to get fuel mileage out of it. It won't work. Just because the truck looks good doesn't mean the gears in it are going to make you money. It has to be specced for fuel mileage. Okay? Here's the big thing. Don't believe anything the previous owner tells you. Because if his lips are moving, he's lying to you. Verify everything. Okay? It's like old Ronald Reagan said. Trust but verify. So that's how we do it. That's how we lower our costs. That's how we keep our fuel costs down. That's how we minimize our risk. Look, this is a um, this is a very very lucrative business. All right, P- there's a lot of people in this business making a lot of money. I've done very well in this business. Okay, you can do it too, but just don't make the common mistakes that everybody else does. The road to success is not straight. There is a curve called failure, which we're trying to keep you out of. There is a loop called confusion, which you're probably in right now. There are speed bumps called friends. Avoid them. There are red lights called enemies. Avoid those for sure. There are caution lights called family. You will have flat tires called jobs. But if you have a spare tire called determination and an engine called perseverance, and a driver called willpower, you will make it to a place called success. Look, you can do this. Don't be like everybody else. Don't be the nine and a half out of ten. Be a lunatic. Do it differently. Don't worry about people talking about you, okay, because they're going to. But you know what? Here's what I tell people. You know, don't, listen, unless you want to compare bank statements, I don't know, I don't, I could care less what you got to say about me, okay? I do this for profit, and I do very well. I now have nine trucks, 
and lots of people whose whose income depends on me. And, you know, I, feel, I sleep very well at night with the advice that I give because I know that they're in good hands. I know that they're going to be successful if they choose to do this. Now, look, this is not for everybody. Maybe this message tonight has convinced you that maybe this isn't for you. And maybe it's not. But isn't it better to know that now than after you go bankrupt? You know? Now, I'm going to give a little recruiting message here. All the stuff we talked about, you can come here and learn. You can drive our trucks at no risk to you. You can make $1,800, $2,000 a week. Okay? And every day, you will live this and learn it just like we do it. And after a, uh, a period of a few months, you'll know how to do this. You'll know all the things to do. You'll be a lunatic, and you will not fail. We have a couple of seats open. If you're interested in pursuing this and you want to do it the right way and not go buy a truck and make a bunch of stupid mistakes, come learn from us, okay? We'll teach you how to do it. We'll teach you how to do it right. We'll mentor you. We'll hold your hand the whole way through. And we'll keep you from making all these stupid mistakes that most people do. And you won't be one of the nine and a half out of ten that fail. I promise you that. You might decide it's not for you, and that's okay. Our best guy ever decided this wasn't for him. It, he wasn't a failure. He just understood that he would have been a failure had he done this without coming here and finding out what it's all about first. Chris, I'm out of breath. So here's my recap. If you're a company driver right now and you were like me and you thought that I know there's more, I know there's more. There's, there's more to life in trucking than just being a company driver. The first thing you need to do is make yourself more valuable. My best friend right now is pulling a tanker, making almost $2,500 a week, you know, now, he had to go haul gasoline for to get the experience to be able to qualify for that job, right? But there are company driver opportunities out there. But you have to specialize yourself. If you're just, if your only qualification is pulling a van uh, or pulling legal flatbed, you've got to do something that makes you more valuable and you hunt down those opportunities and you go work your rear end off so that you can make the money to cash for this truck, okay? So you make yourself more valuable as a company driver. You raise your income. You don't raise your lifestyle to go with it. You put the money in the bank. You buy the truck, right? So now you've got the truck. If let's just play out the worst-case scenario, okay? Let's say you do everything right and... Uh, you pay cash $10,000 for a truck, and you put maybe another ten in it, and you've got it ready, and and it breaks, and it's too much for you to fix. Well, that can happen to you with a newer truck, okay? But here's the difference. You don't have a truck payment. You could take a step back to that good job you specialized yourself for until you get that money to fix the truck and go back. You're, at that point, your failure uh, is, is just a speed bump. You know, it's a really inconvenient thing. It could happen. You know, you could do all the due diligence and, and buy the right truck and, and something crazy happen. Or, you know, you could get hit head on by a drunk driver. I don't know. You know, there's something that could happen 
but you're not tied to a $2,000 a month truck payment. You know, that's that's what we're trying to avoid here, you know, because big failures can happen. You know, and I've said before, it was a miracle I made it as long as I did. Absolute miracle. Uh, Because I have seen just, God, the crazy shit that's happened to our trucks, you know, that I never would have dreamed could have happened. Um, There was no way to foresee a a bell housing breaking and a transmission doing flips inside the frame. I mean, it destroyed (laughs) that truck. You know, I've never seen anything like it. We couldn't see that coming, you know, but there's never a zero risk proposition. Any, anytime you're in business, there's going to be some risk, but it's about putting yourself in a position to where you can handle the bad things when they come because they're going to come, you know, but you've got to start, um, you've got to start with increasing your value as a company driver, there's something you can do to specialize. You, it may take you a year to get there, but there's something that you can do that raises your profile in the market as a company driver to give you that extra income to save up that money to buy that truck. But, you know, you need to stay away from Lone Mountain or select trucks or, or whoever. Um, and, you know, because we had a guy call us a couple of months ago that bought one from select trucks. And, I mean, this guy's drowning. You know, he was, he was just miserable, absolutely miserable. And, you know, was talking about just selling the truck and coming to work for us. Um, don't put yourself in that position. You know, y- y'all, I've lived this. And it sucks. You know, now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade the experience that I've had so far, you know, but... You just don't want to live that. I promise you. You know, because I almost ended up divorced and homeless. So that's not fun. Well, look, there's no rush here. Be patient. You know, don't. It's not about buying a truck. It's about going from an employee to an employer. From not being in business to now being in business. That's what it's about. So you got to get ready for that part of it. The truck part is easy, okay? When you decide to buy a truck and you've got the money, I guarantee you, you will find a truck. And if you listen to us, we'll help you find the right truck, okay? But that's not the problem. Buying the truck's not the problem. What happens after that? What, what, what's next for you? You, you know, that's where, that's where it all, all the complications start coming in. And being becoming a problem solver, how do you fix that problem? And there's, you can solve a problem with a many ways. Some of them are smarter than others, you know. Uh, deleting is a, solves a problem, but it wouldn't be the best way to solve that problem. Okay, as an example. So again, get your, if you want to be in this business, great. There's listen. There's lots of people making a lot of money here. Some of them got in and got their experience back when you could make money by accident. Okay, yeah. you can't use those as your pattern because that's not how it is nowadays. Okay, and <clears throat> look, we're lucky right now. We went through a pandemic, but fuel's cheap. Fuel's your number one expense. Wait till it gets mm-hmm. to four dollars a gallon again, and it will. 
I've been there. I've been there when 25% of people went out of business because of fuel costs. Now they're going out of business because of insurance costs. So, you know, you just have to understand that to be successful in business, you got to control as many of the risks as you possibly can. And when you make decisions that increase your risk, you're not doing that. And you go sit there and go, yeah, but I'm the one, I'm that one that's that, that I'm, yeah. You know how many times I hear that? No, you're not. <clears throat> you know how many <laughs> soft not. stories I get on the phone every week, you know, from people that are desperate, broke, and dumb. And they're that way. It's predictable, but it's preventable. And it all comes down to just making the right decisions and doing your homework and getting prepared. Don't be in a hurry. Don't do it like everybody else does, okay? Because everybody else isn't doing it. They're broke too. All right? We're here for you, okay? Um, appreciate yep. your... Send us an email. Uh, let me put our emails up there. And the, uh, there it is. I am Chris at BlueRibbonLogistics.com. He is Larry at BlueRibbonLogistics.com. Who? Where's he at? Where's that guy? Yeah. Who is that guy? <laughs> you know, let's send us an email if you're interested, um, you know, in checking out our um, our system. Go to DriveForBlueRibbon.com, and you can click on uh, Drive For Us and fill out the form. We'll get in touch with you, set up an interview, and we'll go from there. I've had a very long day. I'm ready for bed. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you. All right. We'll see you all next time.